Hello and welcome to another edition, 120-something of the Fervent Four Show. Yeah, 100, yeah, 125. 125. Uh, so how did the origins of the Fervent Four, the name specifically, since that's the question that people always... Remember when we, we used to do an intro, and I used to talk about a little bit uh, in the intro, and when people would ask... Oh, what does that mean? I'd be like, well, clearly you haven't listened to at least the intro of the show. That was a sure tell sign that people were not paying attention. And it's in the show notes and it's on uh, the website. And uh, I wonder how many people, yeah. obviously, for internet reasons, show notes and thing, descriptions and things like that are important. I wonder how often people actually read a show note or a description. Like if you're, if you're on the, if you're watching something on tube, you, how often are you looking at that? I look at it pretty often, honestly. So like, huh. especially if you are listening to a podcast that is like really information heavy. Uh, that, so like yesterday, for example, uh, I was listening to this week in startups, they were talking about liquidation preferences uh, really, really dense topic. And so a lot of times, like with that, they will put the Excel spreadsheet in the show notes uh, or the Google sheet and show notes so that you can actually download it, look at it. So when it comes back to like referencing things uh, that are mentioned, I think that it's super, super helpful. But um, hmm. typically, typically, or the other thing, and, and we do this as well, we timestamp everything. So if you want to go back to listen to something, or if you are just interested to hearing what, if you want to skip ahead into something, then you can check out the timestamps to see. I feel like I only do it like when someone mentions something like I'm going to put in the description or the show notes and uh, I'll just look. And I'm like, oh. Yeah. that Yeah. In terms of like, uh, like, especially like anytime a book is mentioned or uh, a new TV show to watch, it's my greatest inten uh, intentions to remember. And I really, really try hard. And since 99% of the time when I'm listening to a podcast, I'm out running, I'm away from pen and paper. Uh, that's when I really, really hope that they put it in the show notes. Yeah. I feel like we've talked about this at least in person or, you know, on the phone or something, maybe not here, but when you're running and you have a thought, and then five minutes later, you can never remember that thought again. You think they're coming up with technology to fix that? I would like, I do. That would be, that if I, if I had, if I was a founder that was, had an unlimited budget, that would be something that I would, I would try to do is like telepathically communicate that thought to my notes on whether if it's your, your Apple watch or your iPhone or whatever the case is, because uh, man, I would like to think that sometimes, man, I come up with some real gems of ideas and then mm -hmm. i can't ever remember but that i used to uh, i don't anymore maybe i should do this again uh because of stuff like that like when i would be dreaming or waking up in the middle of the night i'd come right. up with an idea and i'd immediately write down a little notebook but it's it's like i'm driving and like you can't get to your phone or like you i, I don't i look if i am listening to something like i have you see i still run with my phone but i don't I, usually it's in uh like a, a pocket or like a fanny pack running thing with you you just have your watch but it would be nice if you could somehow dictate something from a note perspective, I mean, maybe you can do that. Do Can you, do you know? Well, I, yeah, I think that you would have to pause whatever you're listening to and then uh, uh, take down like a, uh, 
an audio recording or whatever the case is. Hmm. But I don't know, man. I'm just too uh, when I'm out there running, I want to get I want to get that done. And uh, if anything, if it'll, it'll pick up my pace a little bit so that I can get home before I forget. But yeah, I'm with you, man. I will. Uh, some of the most complex problems or speech uh, stuff that I want to talk about for an upcoming speaking appearance, man, I'll those will hit me in the middle of the night and I will like just spring up and just get right to my notes uh, on my phone to jot some of that stuff down because if not, you'll forget you really will. Yeah. You'll have like this great idea of how to like open something or like a nice transition or whatever it is. Yeah. I'm, I'm totally with you. Yeah. So I mean, it's because it's one of those things. I think that if you think too hard, then you don't, you, you just, you just, you can't put those thoughts together. But like when you're meditating or you're sleeping or whatever, the, if you're just daydreaming, mowing the lawn, running, whatever the case is, you know, it's just like sometimes those thoughts just, they just hit you different. At least for me. I'm like. So, so what is the origin? Or what is fervent for me? Well, it's the only 4% of businesses hit the $1 million annual revenue mark. So the idea was to feature early stage founders to talk about their journey to that $1 million mark, pass on what they've learned to help other founders uh, with the, the tips and the tricks that they need to also hit that $1 million revenue mark or bring it on uh, resources that can help you get to that $1 million annual revenue mark. And you can find that answer in the show notes. <laughs> I'm, I, I don't know. I don't know if that'll happen, but there, there's the answer. If you, if you don't remember from, you know, however many times ago, how many people have asked you that question of like, Oh, what does fervent for me? hundred percent. Most number one question that's asked. <laughs> and then some people will just straight up say that they hate it. Yes, there is there is actually a guest that we've had on the show who has persistently asked me to change the name of the show. Has asked, I sent you an email too, I remember. And I was like, dude, like we're not changing the name. Uh, and I remember he sent me, you sent me what he, or he he showed me what you sent or whatever, or he sent. And yeah, he just hates the name, wants the name to be something different. And I'm just well, like, I think that I think some people get confused because generally it's only two people, you and I, or you know, there's like there's not four aspect, people on sure. the show, and, and sure. some people look at the literal aspect of it all. But because I, if I if I recall, you know, the branding 101 of this, it was like, okay, hey, there's the four percent aspect, and I think we had something around like the four percent or like becoming the 90s or don't, you know, something like don't be the 96 percent, you know, something like that. I don't remember the exact words, and then you, um, you said the word fervent i was unfamiliar with that because i got the um education level of a second grader um so it, it, it just coming out i had to look that up i probably still have to look that word up because my memory is about as good as a kindergartner <laughs> uh and uh yeah so ask me what well, fervent means i'm gonna fail that question well i just you know the the passionate pursuit you know someone that, and you, as a founder that's something that you need you need to like just be no matter what I'm going to have the grit, the tenacity, and just go get after it. You need to, to, to go after it in a, in a fervent type of, of manner. So, Speaking of that ferventness, I remember last week's guest had, I, I thought, one of the best, best responses to getting a no that I've ever heard. Right. And it was something along the lines of, oh, 
I know you're not going to invest in my company. And then well, it was, you, you, tell yeah, me, you, you, you can't say it's just not the right time. Right. You can't say that just not right now. Right. I need something more. So they, they, right. it was, and there's a lot of people that will look at the comedy aspect of it and say, yes. And, um, and so constantly questioning that, right. Until you get the, the last answer that you want and, you know, you get a no, but figuring out, yes, I understand that. However, uh, what, what, like, why is that? You know, like, I get it's time is not right, but what else are you I'll unpack this a little bit more? What else are you seeing from that? Right. And from that, she saw that she had a hole in her business, spending way too much money, uh, operationally, basically on product. And, uh, I think she dropped forty percent off of that. Redid the thing, uh, the, the the drill, another three or four times, and I thought that was that's what you have to have as right. from a gritty to tenacity perspective. And I, I appreciate that. And um, much success yeah, because there's, I mean, there's just a ton of different reasons as to why people wouldn't invest, and it's not necessarily does it always have something to do with the founder, the business model, the company, or whatever the case is. I mean, like right now, uh, I mean, me personally. I, there's, I have more, more deal flow thrown at me right now than I could ever, as much as I would love to invest and continue to uh, put money to work for different companies, man, there's just, there's just only so many resources that are available. And right now it's just, you have, it's just, I, there's just way too many, too many opportunities for me to, to participate in all of them. And that has nothing to do with the business or the founder. Is that different? Uh, well, like, no, does yeah. That, does that, it, is that answer always that fluid? Is it, no, is it always that there's a lot no, of No, not necessarily. But I'm just, my point is, is that it just because you get a now is not the right time, it may not necessarily have anything to do with you, the founder, or you, the business. Right. It, it may just all have to do with the position of the investor that you're talking to. Yeah. I like that answer from her. Yep. Thanks, Zach. Is this the time that I'm supposed to uh, come up with something really, really? Um... No, I was trying to fix my light without doing it on camera. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were showcasing my my new camera rig. No, I mean, we, let's look. Can we zoom in on the guy behind you? My my buffalo. Yeah. Yeah. So the Opal camera, though, I mean, I give that thing mad, mad props. It's uh. I th so I've had it a week. This is a second show with this camera. And every single person that I have had a call with, that has been one of the first things that they have said. It's like, man, that is a crazy setup. Oh, I mean, it's a nice camera. Yeah. I do think, though, you know, you don't always have to have the greatest camera equipment as long as you have good sound and stuff like that but it is nice when you upgrade to then actually be like oh wow this is what people can look like it's kind of like if you looked at i'm assuming what uh iphone one pictures would look like if you were to see someone with that camera now to now right like, Whoa. yeah i mean as much as much uh resources as apple puts into the iphone camera it seems like uh you know max and that kind of thing. It's just, I don't know. They That's just the camera quality is just something that is never talked about on laptops, Apple or not. I wonder why that is too expensive. Or laptops is not a thing. Maybe laptops aren't bought. I mean, I would assume that the iPhone is the number one 
product in their line? Oh yeah, hundred percent. And matter of fact, maybe not hundred percent, but I, I but le- I think it legitimately it's like makes up of a huge, huge majority of their revenue is iPhone sales. And their head well now they have two headphone companies, right? So they have the the Apple branded, and then they have the Beats by Dre, right? Isn't that yeah. an Apple product? Oh, I actually have Beats by Dre. Interesting. So it's a that is interesting. And then iTunes is iTunes still popular? I think iTunes was actually shut down a couple of years ago. Really? Yeah. Like the 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 idea. Yeah, there is no. You got Apple Music. You've got the uh, Apple. Okay. Okay. I'm just calling it the wrong thing, but it's their yeah. own branded. Okay. Got it. Right. 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 So Apple Podcasts, mm-hmm. Apple Music, whatever. But Apple, Apple Music yeah. is Apple Music. So then, is Apple Music a big product for them? I don't know if they, uh, I don't know if they, if they separate that out on their quarterly earnings or anything like that. But I know that the AirPods, I mean, that's a billion dollar business within itself, which is crazy. Yeah. Hmm. What are you watching on Netflix? Um, yeah. So uh, Apple's revenue is 274 billion. Half of it came from the iPhone. 10% came from Mac products. Eight uh, percent came from the iPad. Um, what am I watching on Netflix? We, dude, we're late to the game on this one. We just started uh, Better Call Saul. That was one of those shows that we love. Breaking Bad. We tried watching it. We got sidetracked, not because we didn't like it, and then we just forgot about it. And then season, now, last season is it all out? Yeah, they just finished it. So seeing some stuff on social media. Uh, that prompted us to be like, man, why didn't we finish that? So we we picked that back up again. Um, so older series there. But on Hulu, uh, we just started watching The Patient. So uh, that's interesting. That's um, Steve Carell is a therapist. Oh. And Serious been, show? Yeah, he's, uh, he's held captive by a... Uh, a serial killer Ooh, and um, yeah so it's interesting if you have, if you have hulu check that out and the good thing with that it's there's only three there are three episodes in and they're only uh 25 26 minute episodes so super quick to, to watch i i am not a fan of watching shows episode week to week at this point i'm like let me give them give them all to me so that i can watch the whole thing I mean, so like I, I uh, I'm watching The Boys. I've watched season one and two. I don't know if you've watched that show. Season three is out. It is the most outlandish, inappropriate, ridiculous show. Is, it, that, in- that's, is that about the Lakers? No, no, no. This is about superheroes that are ridiculous. Uh, oh, it's on, it's I, I've heard the show somewhere. It's on Prime. Yeah, it's. Um, yeah. Oh it yeah, 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 yeah. It is wild. It is insanely inappropriate. It's so inappropriate. You're like, did that really just happen? which obviously is why I love a show like that. Um, and uh, you just don't expect some of the stuff they do. It's, 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 it's wild. But um, I don't remember anything about season one or season two. And it doesn't matter how good a, a three-minute clip is before. I don't remember why certain things have happened. And that's why I love to watch straight through an entire series like, like I do. Some, you know, winning time, the rise of the Lakers dynasty. I watched a couple episodes of that. It, um, a lot of people said it's not even close to being truthful. Hmm. Uh, it's very, 
uh, the logo, Jerry West, West Virginia University grad, um, I think was suing HBO over the production of that show because it was so misdirected, whatever the word is, hmm. saying it was not how things went down. So interesting. We, I, we also, uh, since you asked Zach, we start. I, I watched the first few episodes of Mike, uh, the the Mike Tyson story also on hulu um hmm. man dude crazy crazy when you look at how he grew up um i've not watched that on hulu i did watch the pam and tommy um series oh, yeah, yeah. which also extremely inappropriate but um it is interesting if you if you peel back the, the topic of that show how that really pushed a lot of what content looks like now right from before no one ever thought about you know your vhs tape being the thing that you would stream and i mean if you think about it you know the youtubes of the world your instagrams of the world the twitches of the world i mean they're all kind of based off of what happened that um from from that tape and it's 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 pretty interesting to see how far you've come i think it was mid 90s maybe um but you're almost watching this thing that's 27 years old in the making. You're like, wow, right. it's hard to believe that we actually didn't used to have video. Even 10 years ago, video on a phone was difficult. Right and now it's just like swipe, 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 scroll, scroll. I mean, it's just, it's, we've come a long way as they say. Yep. Yeah. Check out the Mike Tyson uh, thing, man. Cause it's just to do. The- oh, well. The, the pressure that he was under, I mean, he was this man. I don't know how anybody could have survived that, but boy, when you got into the ring and then uh, yeah, he was. Where's he uh, from? Uh, Brooklyn. Hmm. But he was, man, he was, he read, the, he met his initial uh, trainer in jail when he was in third, when he was 13 years old. Oh, he went to jail. Uh, hmm. Yeah. So then uh, that was kind of the start of everything. But yeah, man, it was just. It's one of those things where we're like when you're going through an incident or going through a series of things and you're like, what in the world is happening? Why does someone have to go through all of this? Um, but, but that's obviously set him up to be the, the youngest heavyweight champion. And to the point where it's like, man, how. Like back in the day, you would pay for pay-per-view for those fights, man. He was winning every fight in 13 seconds. Yeah, like 30 seconds or less. Crazy. Yeah. So we're uh, school year is back for many, um, whether that being high school, middle school, elementary school, college. Um, maybe it's to some the beginning of the work uh, year uh, in some capacity. You start to see a bunch of headlines about return to work and just just maybe going back to some sort of normalcy or, or things being um you know, a little different. And over the last few weeks, months, I've seen some some headlines that just seem a little odd to me. Uh, But then it seems like people jump on them, maybe because they want them to turn to fruition, and then they become this thing. When you're reading on Twitter or on LinkedIn, and you're seeing a headline that might be... um, I don't know if it's clickbaity, but it's definitely something that seems a little interesting. What makes you investigate on something like that and then figure out if that's going to become the norm or not so that you can 
stay on, on top of something like that. But the same way you would probably from a company that you're going to invest in and things like that. Yeah. I mean, well, you know, first off, you know, my, my basic rule, like I will 99% of the time, I will not click on anything. If there's the words could, should, might be, possibly, I mean, all that stuff. Should, to, I mean, that, that is just, work, yeah. I, it, it could be that, that is just speculation. It's not fact-based. It's purely opinion-based. And it's just to get a rise out of, uh, out of the whoever's viewing or reading that article yep. and it, and so i that to me is the first thing that i'll look at now i mean it and if it's fact-based then um then i'll take a look at it but i mean a critical critical independent critical thinking is something that i think society really really lacks lacks these days they only the only um people are just so used to being told how they need to think that um it's just, we live in interesting times. You you should do that, Tim. What's that? Well, I remember. No, I remember that. That was probably episode oh. one of the year, where uh, Alan Lim from Scratch was like, "Yeah, I removed Scratch. I removed. I removed okay, should right. from our vernacular." And right. it's interesting. I obviously have said the word "should" probably fifteen thousand times this year, and I should have removed it from my um, vernacular. I didn't, but I agree with what he said, and it's kind of yeah. on the lines of what you're saying. It's just like, okay, well. How do you, in the moment, remove certain things like that to make them less, I don't even know if the word's controversial. It's just like, it's kind of like you said, you see this headline, what what, what would happen, you know, the shoulds, the shoulds, woulds, whatever's of the world. It's just like, I never thought of that until you told me. And I don't know if you heard that from someone else, but I was like, that's really interesting. And this, and I'm just scrolling headlines and everyone has one of the Tim Ryan yeah. no, no words. Yeah. I mean, that was just, I, I don't, I think that that was just something that I'm sure I'm not the first one to think about that, but that was just something that, that I was able to identify. And it was just like, especially when you get people freaking out and, and just going, losing their mind over stuff. And it's like, this is just total non-factual speculative editorial writing. I mean, it just based on nothing. So I don't know. I really, really tried hard to only focus on the things that I can control. So uh, you asked me if I was uh, nervous about the game tonight. I'd like to see the, like to see the boys win, but um, <laughs> at the end of the day, man, I have no control over it. So uh, just hope for the dub. All right. Uh you got a question? I got. I got. A, I got somewhat of a follow up to this. If, if <laughs> not, not the Buffalo question. We're not going to go into that. I'm not. I'm not going to make you do that. Our our podcasters. So we're podcasters. We do this yeah. show. Are our podcasters journalists? Uh, yeah. I mean, it's. I mean, I would. I'm just trying to think through the case as to why we would not be. Um. I also wrote the word media. Our podcasters part of the media, right? I would say so, yes. So media and journalism is the same thing. Now, now, I, so you would probably know the answer to that better than me, just because me as you went to school for journalism. So I don't yeah, know if journalism. I what I was <laughs> journalism now and what journalism was before is kind of right. A so like slightly different thing. Are, are we like doing fact checking and, you know, all kinds of stuff beforehand uh, before we have a guest on the show? 
you know, we will do some research. We'll do some research, but in terms mm-hmm. of like where, how far we take that, I mean, it's just more of a conversation, but I think the difference though, of what we're doing is that we're not, this being a long form conversation, we can under, we can understand the context of what it is that we're trying to, the point that we're trying to make or the counterpoints to be able to weigh things out in different ways. So from that standpoint, you know, I think that we're journalists, um, but and again, we're not, we're not, uh, we're not, you know, this is not like a, a, a 60 second segment or a 30 second segment. You know, we, we do have that freedom and flexibility to do things in long form. Um, I think that's a big difference maker. What's your take? Uh, well, as, as we're talking this through more, maybe I have different thoughts on it. Um, I'm wondering if journalism is evolving. I think that answer is yes. Sure. Right. I think that when I went to school, what I was taught, and I, I think journalists or people like me are supposed to, and inherently we're, we're nosy people, right? right? Where we're constantly in a, hopefully not negative and aggressive way, but we're pressing people for more information. I feel like that's actually why I'm, I've been decent at business is because I'll ask people questions and people are like, oh, I can't believe you asked that person that question. And people are like, Wow. And so I'll get the answer and then I get a lot more information out of them than most people who would never ask that question right. or like something random, like I'll meet someone. Well, and I'll ask them how much they paid for their house or something ridiculous like that. I can, by the way, I can figure out that answer by going to Zillow very easily too. So it, it doesn't matter, but like right. I'm, I'm a nosy person. I think the word journalism, let me make sure I do that with both quotes. The word journalism, I believe, is supposed to be an unbiased um, way to tell as much of the story as possible with every side of the story as possible, or at least two sides of the story. Yeah. Um, and so you'll see, like, if you ever read something or listen to something, you'll get one side and they'll give you their uh, take on on the story. And then they'll have the other side. And that side says, we're... Uh, they weren't able uh, uh, available for comment. They they declined comment or something like that. And so they're not giving their side of the story. But in journalism word, world, that is them, at least that side saying no comment, basically. That That is, you know, representing both sides to the, yeah. the equation. And so um, I think that our podcasters, journalists, in some cases, yes. I think more a better way to maybe describe this is podcasters produce media, produce content, and occasionally they are doing journalistic things. Yeah. And and again, I just I don't know like the the formal definition of it. But that's the beauty of this show is that we we're, we there's not an agenda that we're pushing. Yeah, when we first started this show, the whole idea was there's a lot of cool things that are happening in Hampton Roads, the 757 Norfolk, Virginia Beach in our region. And let's give the founders a platform in which that they can tell their story. Because if you talk to any founder out there, the number one challenge that they face is how do I get my message out there? How to how can I amplify my voice? And we wanted to provide a platform that one, we could give that, give the founders a platform, but two people that wanted to understand, Hey, what cool stuff is happening in this region? 
this is a great place for people to to check that. No, out the word and, "cool" and in there is what you know, that that word is. That would be the. Um, or maybe it's not cool. Yeah, the you know, that's, that's yeah it's just yeah, but it's that's um um that's an opinion, right? What what I think is cool is not what you think is cool type of thing. You know, so you try to remove that type of stuff out of the journalism that I have, you know, right. professionally been taught. Um, so I looked it up. According to Wikipedia, journalism is the production of and the journalism is the production and distribution of reports on the interaction of events, facts, ideas, and people that are the news of the day and that informs society to at least some degree. The word a noun applies to the occupation, the methods of gathering information and organizing literary styles. Yeah, so based on that, at best, I think super, super, super loosely yeah. we could be considered that because, yeah, we're not... Re- Reporting. We are not. I mean, this is just a, a conversation that we're having. And if someone wants to listen in on that conversation, you're welcome to listen. I do remember, though, when when we um, when we interviewed Jay Cal at the beginning of the year, Jason Calacanis, he said that a lot of people will just listen to his stuff and rebroadcast it. Right. And so right. he was very I don't know if the word is hesitant, but he was very hesitant to, to say certain things because he didn't want them to be clipped into a 10 second clip without the full. Right. Full story. Kim Hasty yep. says, I don't know why you would not consider yourself a journalist. Fine, I'm changing my LinkedIn profile from <laughs> uh, whatever it is right now on a mission to find the world's best apple fritter to Zach Miller, comma, journalist, question mark. There you go. There we go. What you got for me, Tim? You got a list of like 1,500 questions, you know? Tim yeah, Martin, I mean, we were just, uh, we were rolling on rolling on this one well it's an interesting deep thought yeah i don't think most people would consider themselves journalists who do this no i think no. they would call themselves creators and I, and when you asked that question I, I, I wasn't even looking i wasn't even looking at it from a self-reflection standpoint i was just it's just podcasters in general i don't even think now, you call yourself a podcaster even though what? you do this and are one do you if you were to meet someone, would you? Tell I know. I don't. I, I don't describe. I don't describe myself as a podcaster. I describe myself as someone who has a podcast. Okay. But I don't know. I mean, that's. I feel like I do so much as it is that I'm like, if I keep, if I continue to add more and more stuff to the things that I do, that. Yeah, it just. People probably just scratch their head and like, dude, you need to chill out. How do you have time to do all this stuff? And I don't know. Some days are better than others. I don't know either. <laughs> but yeah, this is fun. I enjoy this conversation because uh, I guess that's the whole uh, one of the things that with live podcasts where we record everything live that, uh, you know, things come up. And sometimes people are probably like, man, this is a 31 minute intro. When are we going to get to the guest? But we're just going to chew the fat on this one because, you know, I mean, as with business, something happens every single, um, yeah, I mean, this, the day-to-day life of a founder is, is tough. And, well, I remember, um, yeah, I, I, so uh, this was my last part, but as you said that, it made me think of like when I was, you know, working for the news and 
you kind of knew the story that you were writing. So you were asking questions to a clip, right? So there wasn't even trying to get context in some of that stuff. It was just like, you were like, okay, I need this person. Like, how do you feel about this? Whatever's happening in this thing. Got it. Boom. Done. That's mm -hmm. it. You know, and they would call them men on street, man on street, woman on street. That would be the quote. And um, yeah, it's just interesting how sometimes you have a plethora of questions that you're ready and going to go deep diving in. And that's why I like long form stuff. I feel like you're able to articulate uh, a, a statement a lot more. And some people love that. Some people hate that. But I think it's the host's job to not be lazy and to uh, investigate and dive deeper, if you will. Yeah. I mean, I'm, uh, I'm really proud of the content that we continue to produce. We, um, we put a lot of time into it to make sure that we get the guests lined up. Um, and I know I've learned a ton from a lot of different people. And the thing that's really interesting is the fact that we've had a, we've had a few different producers that have helped with the show because it just, it takes a lot of work to do what it is that we do in terms of lining everything up in preparation for making sure that everyone is where they need to be. And then during the show, we have someone in the background that is time stamping everything so that we, the show notes can be done. I mean, it, it is quite a production. And I'm one thing is for sure is that anybody that thinks that doing a podcast is easy has never done a podcast before. I mean, it, in terms of, just sticking with it, having the endurance to do it, constantly looking for guests to have on the show. That alone able, is a difficult thing. Yeah. Being able to carry on uh, a conversation, to be curious, to want to ask questions. Uh, I mean, all that stuff is really, really difficult. And the thing that I find really that's the most challenging is when it comes down to like getting people to subscribe to your YouTube channel, getting people to download or review, leave a review or uh, rate your, your podcast. That stuff is really, really difficult. And I think that people are really, really quick to make that determination of, oh, well, if you don't have six figure uh, number of subscribers or over a million subscribers on YouTube that you YouTube, then you really haven't made it at all. And it's just like, until you've been in this position to understand how difficult it is to scratch and claw to get every subscriber that you have. I mean, people have no clue how, it, how difficult it is. Yeah. Why is it difficult to find people to interview? I, I would think it, that's the easy part. I think in theory it's easy. Um, and to find someone is easy Then getting that person to say yes, to find the time for uh, a lot of people also don't want to be interviewed. They're scared of being interviewed. They, yeah. they don't want to do a free flowing show. They want to answer three things. Uh, there, those would be the couple of things that I would say from, from that perspective, um, finding time in their schedule to us, that's not that big. Like it, we can maneuver that a little bit, I guess. Um, especially this season, the well, just the fact that by being a guest on a show, you are and a live show, yeah, maybe the live you are, aspect, you, you, you're, you're, you're under the microscope, so to speak. So, like that, that, that pressure that people face, I think, is really you've, you've got to step out of that comfort zone and lean and lean into that discomfort. 
I mean, I've had clients that are like, I don't want to be, even though this is my company and it's whatever, I don't want to be the brand. I don't want people to see me. I want it to do itself. I'm like, well, how do you anticipate that speaking for itself without someone with a megaphone speaking? The answer is typically this. I don't know, Zach. Uh, if you, you did a great you, you did a great job of me. I was like, man, did he freeze? Uh, we lost no, we lost they, Wi-Fi with Zach. We, we lost, we've lost the connection. No. <laughs> Their answer is they don't they don't have one. They yeah. just are like, oh, and I'm just like. How do you anticipate that thing getting out? Even if you hire a publicist to do all this other stuff, someone's got to go on the radio, the podcast, the TV, yeah. the whatever, the blogs, the, the the live shows, everything, the Twitches. It is. Someone's got to do it. And so you might as well be your best cheerleader and say the exact same thing over and over and over again so that's articulated correctly instead of someone else who's trying to explain what you do when it's not even right because that game of telephone yeah. it's you you know you better than anyone else 100 percent. yeah it's not easy but you, and then you listen to every single person with a successful podcast and the thing that they every single one almost unanimously says you gotta keep con creating content you got to discontinue doing it why because the habit will stop no, just in the sense of just to continuing to build uh, more and more the content. Viewership. I mean, just build that library. Um, but I mean, everyone just says it takes time. I mean, I'd, it's scary to me. I would, I would, the thought of uh, if I had a, a homework assignment to <laughs> relook at some of the early episodes that we've had, I'm not sure I'd want to encounter that. Cool. We used to watch episode one this weekend. What are you watching on Netflix this weekend? Well, I, Tim Ryan, am re-watching episode one of the Fervent Four show. Yeah. But to everyone's got to, they've got to lean into that discomfort. And if just, I think that a key point, one of the key points that we're going to talk about in this show is the fact of if you want a different outcome, you have to do something different. So if your business is stuck in the status quo and you get the same thing over and over again, you you have to do something different to get a different outcome. So maybe it's doing a podcast, maybe it's doing a speaking appearance. It, you've got to do something where otherwise your business is going to be stuck in that lull and you're just just it's just day in, day out, doing the same things with the same outcomes. And it's not, what got you here isn't going to get you there. It's something that we say in our family quite a bit. What What's that quote? Discomfort is pain leaving the body. Some, leaving the body. I don't, I yeah. don't know. I've, yeah. it, it's something along the lines of that, but it's like by doing that, it produces success. And you, to do that, you have to, you have to sweat it out basically and deal with it. Yeah. Takes a lot of a lot of work, you know. And 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 something that I never thought about doing before. I've had a couple podcasts in the past, but but something that you quickly, I feel like we're like, hey, we should have a producer for the show. Run through a couple. Um, have one now, um, who is actually quite the athlete too. Well, um, the crazy thing about it is, man, we're on a streak of. <laughs> All three that we've had all happen to be six footers that uh, that played basketball. I mean, so, and I, but 
the thing that so I think about this man, and it's, it's one of really? those deals. Yeah. So even Connor, Connor played uh, intramurals with uh, UVA. Um, and then Gavin was a, a a six. I think he was six three or something like that that played basketball. And uh, now and we have Andrew, Machine Gun Kelly. But it's interesting. So, but I do think about that uh, in the sense of is that a quality that that I unknowingly picked up on. So like in basketball, so to speak, you got to be able to pass the ball to someone. If someone passes the ball to you, you need to know what you're going to do with it. You got to take the shot. You got to finish the play, whatever the case is. So in all the cases uh, to this point, uh, Andrew included, it's just like when he gets the ball, he knows what to do. You think even, okay. So you don't even think athlete, you don't even think collegiate athlete. You're going even deeper into it, saying maybe even basketball athlete. Well, I'm just in the Team sense of, uh, yeah, I think that um, it's just an interesting. It's it's interesting when you think about the fact that there's five people that are on the floor uh, from each team at the same time, and you know, you can't. I think that it's really difficult to hide any mistakes. Andrew would be able to talk more about that than me, but I mean, it's just like the ball is constantly moving from person to person up and down the court. And I, you know, I think that if you make a mistake, it's going to show and then you're not going to be on the court. So you got to be able to perform when the time is necessary. That's just my, that's my hypothesis. Is that true? I don't know. Well, let's ask him. Is this, is this uh, Andrew's debut? Wow. The debut. debut. He's nervous. Yeah, I'm oh, nervous right now. We'll only keep you uh, on for three well, minutes. You'll, you'll be fine. I don't. I don't even think that. But again, I don't even. I don't, Andrew, I'll be surprised. I mean, there might be. Are you even nervous at all? I mean, again, this is one of those times when it's time to perform. You have to perform, and that's just yeah. another point. No, I mean, not really. I mean, it feels like right. I'm just talking to you guys. The only difference <laughs> is the live little red thing is up there. So. <laughs> But is, is that is that the case though in terms of you practice enough basketball throughout your career? You're you're a collegiate athlete that um, you're the captain of the team, you know. So then when you you practice and you have the reps, you have so many reps in place right now that when you get the ball, it's just now it's just natural instinct to do what you got to do. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I think to a certain degree, warming up, you always get those pregame jitters. You know what I mean? When you're playing with a lot of people like that, I don't think goes away. But um, a good coach, one of my favorite coaches always told me you got to channel that, you know, and it's kind of like when the ball goes up and, you know, it's live, it's just you got to like take everything else out. And then I think that's when you kind of lean into, okay, I know what I'm doing. I've done this. You know, even when you're going against bigger schools or whatever, it's like these guys tie their shoes the same way. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. You just you kind of get comfortable being in those situations, I guess. You Um, you hear a lot of broadcasters in sports talk about the big game, whatever that big game is. And then, you know, the jitters mm -hmm. are there, like you just said. And then, you know, once the ball is snapped, you know, kick off, you, you, you throw the ball up, you know, to start a basketball game, whatever it might be. It goes away. I mean, is it, do they really just go away, though? Because, like, I'm thinking, okay, what is that for me? I haven't really been an athlete in 20 years. Uh, I don't know yeah. that I did or didn't have that. I, I feel like when I would swim, they would probably still be there. Like, I would really want to win that race. And if it was a big race, I'd probably have to swim through that race still with those chairs. As soon as the race is over, 
maybe it goes away. Maybe that's because it's an individual sport in that case. I, I don't know. But so then I'm thinking about like a speech, right? Um, I don't know how many speeches you've done, Andrew. Tim has done, you know, a, a ton just like I have. I typically get the jitters right before I'm going on, maybe even depending on the, the platform the night before I might get a little nervous about it, uh, excited, whatever word you want to use to describe it. And so does that go away as I start? I don't know that it does. And so I like mm. it's, it's I, maybe I get more comfortable up there, but I, I'm not sure that I've been in a situation other than maybe doing it so many times, which is what the point is, but like, I, I don't know. Like, I feel like I, I am still, I, I feel like those nerves don't really go away until it's over. Hmm. Or I get to the Q and A section or something like that. So I'm interested in if you think that that does go away, and Tim, what you think about that from a performance perspective? I don't know. I, I think it's how the person is wired. Um, like before, before I hit the stage, so to speak. Um, yeah, I mean, there's that that pre-nervous jitters, but yeah. at the same time. I also can channel something in the sense of like me, I will know that if someone is, I, if I can picture someone that I know would be absolutely terrified to do this, that's something that just makes me stronger. If I'm running a race and I see someone struggling, that just makes me stronger. And I just dig deep and I'm like, you, I'm passing you no matter what, because I can sense that weakness in you. Um, and so that's just when it's time to, to kill. I mean, that's just, you know, so, uh, I think the thing that's really that's that's tough for me, like when it's tough for me to control my emotion when I'm like and I'm I'm not super like emotional in the sense of when I'm talking kind of thing. But like if I'm doing a talk and then people are just like like I could never be a preacher. If people are like, woo, you know, or a, a politician in the sense of when people get behind you, like I can feel that energy coming back from the audience back to me. And then that that like triggers even more emotion back where it is just like, and then I lose my focus because I, I feel that sense of energy. So I don't know, man. It's just, but how do you do that know. in running? Because, because when you run in a race, you're mm -hmm. constantly, at least the race that I've done with you, like you're saying, thank you. Hello to all the volunteers, which is kind of similar. I feel like what you're saying gets you more hyped up and stuff like that, that you think that's a deterrent for you. Is that what you're saying? Not in, the, not, not in the running standpoint, but for uh, from the speaking standpoint. And I think that it's probably just not doing enough of those hmm. of those particular talks. Um, but do you get do you get nervous before you uh, go up on stage, Zach? Yeah. And most people would say I've never would never believe that. And I'd say it's because I had enough beers to hide it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, so yeah. I mean, like this weekend, um, I was asked to speak at India Fest in Virginia Beach, and the last time they did this was pre-COVID, and they had ten thousand people there, and they anticipate <laughs> to have you know twelve thousand or more people uh, there, and and I'm not su suggesting that I'm going to be speaking in front of twelve thousand people. I'm just saying that like. There, you know, there's it's it's probably a breakout or i don't know what the, i mean i don't know until i get there but i was asked to talk about briefly talk about 
what Start Wheel is, entrepreneurship in the community, you know, and what resources the people have, uh, yeah. you know, that they can leverage. So, I mean, like you want to talk about taking a step outside of your comfort zone. I mean, that's just uh, okay. that, that's extremely out of my comfort zone. Um, but like we yeah. talked about, you, you got to continue to put yourself out there and do do things that you otherwise would never do. I remember it was probably 2012 after the second start Norfolk. I don't know that I even knew you yet. I don't think I've met you. I was asked to speak on the same stage as the governor of Virginia at the time, which I can't remember his name. And there were 600 people there. I don't, I don't, I don't remember what I talked about. I remember like, I was super freaking nervous. I remember like, I like, I did some most ridiculous. I did everything you're not supposed to do. Like I, I chewed gum. <laughs> I walked off the stage with the microphone, walked in between people, which people actually liked. I remember I was so nervous beforehand because it was 600 people. And I remember that. And um, this is like probably right before Hatch was about to launch officially um, for that first round. And I remember I went, I went out beforehand, had a couple beers because I was so nervous. I needed something to turn me down. I, that did go away after some point. Like where like I, I, I probably haven't had a beer before a performance in years. Right. Maybe after maybe maybe the first state of the startup community address and then I never had one before afterwards. But that was probably the last time. Right. And so, like, I it's just I needed that to chill me out. And, yeah. and yeah. You know, I don't condone and I don't I don't recommend someone going and having a beer before it. But if that's mm-hmm. going to make you feel comfortable, then maybe that's what you should do. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't so, know. I, and- I, I, I get super nervous about <laughs> stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> Andrew, when. Well, so obviously, as a captain, you get a lot, tons of playing time now. Did you get playing time as a freshman? Um, I did because uh, the situation I'm in at Regent, uh, I was actually a part of the first ever basketball team there. So we mm. were all 15 freshmen. Um, so got a oh, little wow. bit more of a playing field there. Um, but yeah, so the first, our first ever season of basketball and sports at the university was in 2018. I was a part of that team. Um, so that was a really unique experience, right? Not many people get to say that they started a, you know, help start mm-hmm. a collegiate basketball team. So that was that was a really cool experience. It was tough. We got beat up on a bunch, but uh, you know, you grew grew a lot, and you know, man, like some lifetime memories from there, and you know, the guys I met there on that team and stuff. Did What's you your... feel? Did you feel nervous, though? Like do I take the shot? Do I pass? Do I drive? How long did it take for you to get comfortable or to not be scared of, man, if I mess up, then I'm going to be benched. Then I'm going to lose out on playing time because there's 14 other freshmen that are fighting for, for minutes. Oh yeah. I mean, my first game, I was just like, I, I remember because my brother came to my first, my first game and I was, uh, we were warming up or whatever. And I had no idea who was going to start. I mean, this is, we were in like a tournament in Georgia and um, we, like, just come out of the locker room, and, you know, he had told us, like, he wrote on the board who was starting, and I was up there. And I, like, came out the locker room, and I, like, mouthed to my brother, like, I'm starting. And he was like, no way, <laughs> you know? Like, and so I think, especially that season, getting a couple games under your belt took a little bit. Luckily, the coach had a lot of, like, a lot of trust in me and stuff. And, you know, you perform well in practice. So, you know, you kind of start to realize, okay, I can do this. You know, I'm like – um, 
yeah, I was going to, I knew I was going to get those minutes, especially as the season like kind of kept going and you kind of start to like separate yourself a little bit, but there's always like, you, you always have someone, you know, ready to take your position, you know, if you don't perform, like, especially at college, it's so much more of a, it's not YMCA, right? Not everyone's not going to get the same amount of minutes. It's a, it's a business at this point, you know? So if you're not producing, if you're not doing what you need to do, whether it's offensively, defensively, you know, being a good teammate, you know, you're just not going to get, you're not going to get to play. Um, and so that is there's definitely some pressure. Calling it, a, calling it a business, right? It's a business. There's someone else is always coming after your, your spot. And I, I yeah. don't know, I don't know that I never have ever thought about that before, but I mean, it's totally true. Right. Well, I mean, if you it's... look at it just in the sense of you're, you got a full ride scholarship, Andrew, mm-hmm. that's so, I mean, they put up money for that. So, I mean, it's just like, you're not getting compensated directly, but there was, there's still a value to that tuition. And so from that standpoint, yeah. you know, it is a business because mm-hmm. there's a, I don't know, I don't yeah. know how scholarships work, but I mean, there's only so much scholarship money um, and all that stuff has to be balanced out and you have yeah. to be able to perform. I mean, that that that's just another aspect of it. That's a performance. And as I'm sitting here thinking about this, basketball is an interesting sport in the sense of with there only being five people on the court, you you can't hide. So like baseball, you can hide football. You can hide. I mean, with basketball, you got to be where the ball you have. You have to be. And where he's you tall, so he definitely can't hide. Well, but you get you, it's just it's re- if you make a mistake, it's really, really hard to hide that. You miss a shot, you miss a pass, you turn the ball over, you mess up defensively. I mean, you've got to be on it the entire time you're on the floor. Yeah, no, you're definitely right. I mean, I, and I do think with baseball and football, you're going to have coaches that will find out your mistakes anyway, right? But especially with basketball, with it only being 10 people, um, maybe not as much as an individual sport, obviously. But, yeah, if you mess up, you know, you're going to know it. Um and I mean, I those think are, a lot of that you can like expose kids. those weaknesses fast. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of that goes into, you know, your team too, because you could think someone's cutting back door. I throw the pass. He didn't cut. It looks like it's on me, but, you know, it might be a little bit of miscommunication between both of us. So there is that other added pressure when you get, you know, yelled at or you get taken out and you're like, he was supposed to do this. He didn't even know the play, you know, and, you know, I mean, that's just there, – there's so many different variables with basketball, and it's so, like, bang, bang as far as, you know, a play can – you can be shooting or you can have the ball and then make a pass and then, you know, the other team's down on the other end in two seconds. You know, it is just such a fast-paced game. Um, but What did you do to channel those emotions? Uh, as far as, like, pregame or are you just saying, like, throughout the game? Well, I, you, I thought you had said they, they, they went away. Um at some point, right? Yeah. So what it, and your coach had said, you know, channel channel these emotions. How do you do that? Because I mean, for me, I mean, I, I feel like channeling the emotions is is someone is me saying I had a beer beforehand that 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 calmed the uh, the jitters. You can't do that because you're about to play a sport, you know, unless you're Josh. Right. Gordon. But I mean, what what did you? How did you put yourself through that situation to channel those emotions? I try. I try to not let the moment get bigger than what it really is. Um, I don't, I try to not let like this game, you know, if I have a bad game, if I miss a play, if I miss a shot, that is not going to determine my worth as a person, nor is it going to determine like my worth on the team. You know, it's not going to, 
it's not the world is not going to end. And I think sometimes you can make the moment bigger than it is. And sometimes that's when you let the pressure get to you too much. So mm-hmm. I try my best to like keep it. I don't know. I, I, I just try to keep a realistic point of view. Um, and I mean, one time we played a team and it was their new gym and uh, it was 4,000, like over 4,000 people. And we were in warmups and they opened the doors like before to let like students first in. And I just remember like people just running in everywhere and like just trying to like get up close to the court and stuff. And I just looked around. And I was like, there's no way I'm actually about to play in this game. Like, how am I going to do this? You know? And it's just like before, and then you just kind of start to like, be like, all right, like, you know, you got this, this is what you work for. Um, and I, I don't know, I guess just when the ball goes up and uh, another thing too, that I wanted to say is with basketball, yes, there's a lot of pressure and yes, you're going to, your mistakes are going to be pretty obvious, I would say, but you also have four guys that have your back too. So on the flip side of that, you, you don't have to do it all yourself. Like you have, like in tennis or swimming or an individual sport, right? It's like, if I miss this, if I, if I get blown by on defense, we play team defense and I know I've got four other guys willing to cover for me and then let me get back to my position and then we'll, you know, reestablish. So at the same time, you got to lean into your teammates and your brothers that are out there fighting with you. You got to be able to trust them. And so, I mean, that's like, I had one of my teammates uh, is like a really good defender. And I just remember one time I was guarding really good ball handler and I don't always get put in that position because of my height and stuff. And I was guarding him and him just talking to me and be like, Hey, like, I got your right. I got your right. I was like, okay, that gave me the confidence I need. Cause I know I've got a guy on my right and my left that's there to like help me out. I'd like to see the 12,000 people walk into India fest and Tim be on stage. Right. Yeah. I, <laughs> just I'm, freaking I'm, out. <laughs> Andrew, I'm curious, never being in that position, nor will I ever be in the position when you're on the foul line, getting ready to take your shots and the fans oh, yeah. are behind you going crazy and they're doing all their stuff. Are you, do you see any of that? Do you, does it, does it have any effect on it all? Are you just totally zoned in and everything is silent? Um, I, I don't hear stuff when I have the ball for the most part, you know, like, so when I'm, when I'm at the foul line, I really like can tune, can tune that out. I hear it. If I'm like setting up to box out and someone else is shooting, I hear everything, you know, like I hear it, like that's when I can kind of hear the fan stuff, but it, there's something about like, you just being so focused and I'm just, you know, just going through your routine and stuff. Um, and yeah, I mean, I don't really hear or you're not really looking behind the backboard. I mean, even though it's clear, like you kind of just see the, mm-hmm. the ball in the rim for the most part. I was curious. Yeah, people say that they never hear anything or see yeah. anything, but I'm like, is that lip service or is that, you know, like legit? So, well, it's lip service. I think, I think when you're watched. trying to, I think when you're like trying to focus that much, you can kind of tune it out. But, you know, if you're running up and down or like there's a dead ball, you'll definitely hear the fans chirping at you or, you know, whatever. Like, I know. I think I think that's pretty natural to hear that, e- even though people act like they don't hear it. <laughs> There's a crazy uh, ESPN quick little clip, maybe four minutes or so, about uh, the the Duke UNC um, rivalry in basketball, and uh, Speedo guy is uh, this guy who gets out oh, yeah, yeah. any any while the players are shooting free throws, and he shows up in a speedo and he does some crazy stuff. And it's like they miss, they miss the shot. So it, it is interesting yeah. to hear that you can somewhat, um, you know, look through that. But uh, in Speedo guy's case, it was 
an unfortunate event where um, it yeah. did not work out that way for UNC, but whatever. Yeah, I will say I haven't had anyone in a speedo behind the backboard, so <laughs> hopefully I don't have to see that. I'm just trying to stay focused. Man. Well, episode 125, we are here all in – well, I'm colorblind. It looks like we're all in black tees of some sort, uh, at least a T-shirt. Um Andrew, it's been great. Thanks for uh, giving us the insights on how athletes still get nervous too and some of the things that they do to uh, remove the nerves, yeah. calm the nerves, if you will. Yeah. And, keep, and keeping us in check every single week with uh, with the Fervent Four show, making sure we hit the algorithms right. And it's a lot of work. Yeah. Well, the hour mark, as Tim has said, has come so quickly. It was a fast hour, as he always says. With That's the what the game. guests always say. You say it but sometimes. I, too, I, I, I do. Like. I, yeah, I do. You're right. You're you're right. I stand corrected. But the guests always you're like, wow, that was a really fast hour. But I agree that it always is a fast hour. I, and when I look at the timer, and I only see like there's like nine eight, nine minutes. It's like, that's when the flood of questions and like, I want to continue the conversation going even longer. Um, I remember some of the best highlights, interviews, quotes, whatever is when the cameras go off. And, yep. and, and I think it takes, I think most people that have done the show, maybe haven't been on long form interviews like this. Maybe they done a clip here, like, Oh, I'll send you something here. But I, I think it's still pretty fresh for people. I definitely recommend people to do more live stuff, to, to get on as many podcasts as possible, to try to articulate your answers out. It can really help um, formulate what you're trying to do. And, um, yeah, if anyone is interested in being on the show, please uh, hit either Tim or I up. You've got our handles right there on the thing, at Zach Miller Says or at Ryan TNT. Uh, if you like today's show, make sure to give it a subscribe, share it with a friend, and um, – that's all I got today. You know, Zach Miller, comma, journalist, question mark. <laughs> so I'm going to leave the show. <laughs> I'm a, I, uh, I should, I'm a, I saw, I think I'm going to make every, I think I'm going to change all my handles to Zach Miller, comma, journalist, question mark. There you go. I don't know that you can put um, those weird, funky uh, mm -hmm. characters, characters, if you, yeah. if you will, into stuff. So it'll stay the way it is. Always fun, Zach. Best of luck in uh, your endeavors this uh, season, and um, yes, we uh, we'll see what happens. That's right. Go Bills. Everyone's, everyone's record is zero zero right now. That's we'll right. Uh, we'll see where it is next week. Until next time, thanks for listening. Peace. So long. And I guess pancakes because I've never said that in a while. So. Namaste. <laughs> <laughs>